Kintech Studio, Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw here on a game day. We'll get to pregame and everything else coming up a little bit later on. But joining us right now is Yannick Hanson. This insider is brought to you by the Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam, and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you. Thanks for this, Yannick. How are you? Yeah, it's my pleasure. Not too bad. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing uh, well, as always. Maybe not as well as uh, the Vancouver Canucks, who mm. uh, the coach is only worried about them getting one record. Uh, can can things get a little looser when a team's on a good run, Yannick? I'd say that's a, that's a luxury problem to have. No, I, I think we'd love to deal with this one instead of uh, all the other stuff we've been dealing with. But it's, it, it's no different than uh, even keel. Um, don't get too high. Don't get too low. Uh, right now, things are going well. Um, they're winning some important games as well. Um, some of them are outside of uh, uh, of the division, of course, but, but the Nashville, St. Louis, those are teams that could very well end up in that playoff uh, picture, the, the wild card spot. It's nice to, to get those wins in early, and now they won't get a chance to do that later in, in the season. Um, so, so again, they've, uh, they've been winning some important games. They've been getting points in, in games that you wouldn't expect them, um, games they hadn't done in the past. Uh, the Rangers game is, is an obvious one where it's back-to-back. I know it's at home and all these things, but it, it's one of those where it's, it's almost a write-off, um, and, and they found a way. And, and now you're, you're sitting here and, uh, hey, maybe they should have gotten two. So it's, it's again, it's, it's a lot of positives right now that are surrounding the team, and it's, uh, it's good. Well, the Canucks are on a run now where they've picked up points in five straight games. And obviously that game in Nashville, they didn't love how they played. The coach wasn't happy with their performance. Is that, I think the test against the San Jose Sharks would be, is that kind of the game they kind of rectify despite winning and they learned their lesson? Or is it a trend towards, hey, you know, you play a little loose towards the end of a run and all of a sudden you pay for it? Yeah, you wanna you wanna be careful because you look at that standing and you look at San Jose and it, it, it's not pretty. Um, but but it's it's a game you can't afford to take lightly, uh, throw away if you will. Get the two points, get out of there, uh, and then then move on. Because um, again, we, we saw how the, the margins for team making the playoff are not. A lot of times, it's a couple of points, three or four here and there. Um, and those are the ones you don't want to be have, have left out. Um, like we just talked about the, the Rangers point, they, they scrape up there. Now we're getting into a game where you're expecting them to do it. So make sure you take care of business and, and then move on. And it's not easy to play a team that haven't won yet uh, and that are yeah historically terrible start to a season. Um, and again, you don't want to be that first team that give them that win either. So it's... Uh, there's a couple of things that plays in when you play games like that. Should be some money on the board to just win the games. <laughs> don't let don't let San Jose get their first win against uh, against us. But you know, you know, Talkit was uh, pretty critical about the the team after the the win over over Nashville. He's clearly guarding against you know them losing some of the the structure that they've built early on this season. But he also made a point out of one of his best players he sat JT Miller down for the end of the second period and put him out for the first shift of the third period JT went on and scored an insurance marker that helped the Canucks secure the two points what did you make of how Rick Tockett handled that with JT Miller yeah we've been asking for um, some sort of sign when when players are making mistakes too often things that are hurting the team uh, holding them accountable 
uh, JT took a couple too many penalties, um, and he got sad. He got sad on the power play as well. Um, they found a way to score without him. Um, that that's uh, that's a signal when you sit. Arguably, your top two, three, four players because of of penalties. Uh, it sends a message, and it makes it that much easier to sit a guy further down the lineup first time he does it. Um, so it, it's great to see it worked out. JT came back, scored a goal, they won the game. Um, so so it worked out in everybody's favors. Again, you don't want you don't want to see these guys being sad too often. Um, but but it does not hurt to happen once in a blue moon. It, it sends a very powerful message, and it, it makes it that much easier for him to walk into the dressing room uh, uh, the next time and pointing at uh, Garland or Herglander or Tyler Myers and say you, you're not playing because of so and so so because everybody is held to the same standard and I just did it to JT um, so everybody will, will fall in line so it, it was good to see that being said you don't want to see JT getting said, said you want to see him playing but when there are a situation that arises that causes it um, don't be afraid to, to push that button either and in terms of just uh, Rick talking himself as a head coach, when you look at a, a coach who's willing to do those things, but also is able to sit down with the guy and talk to them about it without alienating them and making them feel like they're not part of the team anymore, what is that? What type of what do you say to that type of quality in a coach? And isn't that the type of coach that can usually have a lot of success for a long period of time? Yeah, sometimes there's, that's where the actions come in. Um, JT gets set. I, I don't know if any com- uh, conversation is happening in in the bench or in between periods, or you just you, you're just not going out right now. But then again, when he puts him out again in the beginning of, this, uh, of the next period, then you know, okay, I'm I'm back and uh, my leash is a little bit shorter. But uh, this is what is okay and this is what aren't okay. I'm sure they probably had a conversation the following day, probably some video and showing, hey, this is why. Um, and again, the same conversation we're having here, we got to hold each other to a higher standard and something like this happens when I'll, I'll limit ice time. Um, and then again, as a player, you're, you're okay with that. And like I said, he was right back out there in his normal spot and all these things. Uh, but again, it is uh, it can be taken away, which we haven't seen up to this point for, for the last, yeah, long, long time. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think... Uh... JT mentioned it at post game. You know, I got a little too hot. I needed, I needed a timeout. I needed to sit down and uh, and cool off a, l- a little bit. So, he took it in stride as well to a certain extent. But, you know, it's just uh, for him as a player. You know, we've talked about it so much with JT. I also feel like you know, talk it kind of has to keep him uh, like in the right mindset because he's so important to this team and the way he's played for the first eight games prior to that Nashville game is a big reason why the Canucks are off to this great start. He has to keep JT playing like that and not be more of the, you know, temper tantrum JT that we saw at the start of last season. Yeah. It's, and it's a fine balance because you need that temper to play as well. Uh, you mm. just can't cross that line. Um, so sorry emotional and shows it and plays with it um, but are so good when it's uh, done on, on that fine line so so again you're you, you're you're juggling players like him a little bit different than a lot of other players because of the importance and because of the intangibles that they bring um, and again like you said you, you do not want to alienate a, a JT Miller in any way I don't think that would be an issue either uh, he, he's a, he's a big boy he is uh, 
not the first time he's been told that uh, you're sitting now and you're not playing. Uh, that being said, when you're a go-to guy on a team, it is hard to be uh, to be stable to the bench, even if it's only for half a period or however long it was. Um, it, it 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 does hurt your pride a little bit. Uh, what it should do is, is you come back uh, with a fire in your belly and and prove that uh, hey, this was a mistake. Don't ever do that again, and I will I won't let you sit me again. And and then the message was heard, the button was pushed, and uh, and you can move forward from there as long as it's not a repetitive message that have to be delivered and a benching uh, again in a couple of games, um, that's where these issues can kind of arise. As far as how the team is playing, you know, we've been talking about this, you know, since uh, the first game of the season, and they were so great, obviously, uh, against Edmonton to start everything off. But now we've had nine games so far, and there's more to go. But are you seeing enough from their game that, not that they're going to sustain winning 75% of their points like they have so far, but do you see enough improvements in how they play and, and how they're trying to build an identity that this could work? Like I said, like I said, when we started talking uh, here a couple of weeks ago, it's a good team. It's a good team. They need a lot of things to go right for them. Um, we're, we're still healthy. That that needs to still happen. Um, the depth aren't there to sustain uh, serious injuries on this team. Uh, but this seems like they have found a way to limit the the tire fires that we saw in the past the, the multiple opportunities the too many high scoring chances uh, in, in the teens against that you can't uh, that you can't defend yourself against so they seem to have cleaned that up um now is it sustainable at this pace no of course not because you're not then you're gonna you're gonna start uh, talking about top of the league but but again um regress a little bit and keep winning these important games uh i see no no reason why they couldn't continue with that how often during a season does a team just like not have it and like would you have a sense uh that that you know is about to be a flat performance no, it's kind of hard to to kind of gaze because because again you you never think it's that it kind of kind of happens most more time on the road because the travel tired fatigue uh, uh, too many games uh, in a short span and all these things um, but what what can happen as well when you have success is you start taking a little bit for granted and so all these little things we did when we started winning um, we don't cheat on it but maybe they don't get done as thorough anymore and. We're winning anyway, so we we get by a little bit easier. We relax a little bit, saving our body a little bit because it's a long year. We're still winning, and all of a sudden, this has transpired over a couple of games, and now our game has actually uh, suffered a little bit because of it, um, because you keep taking the foot off the pedal just a little bit. You can't play 82 games at 100%. But again, a 90% for good teams is enough to, to get you where you need to be. The problem becomes when you start going at 87, 86, 83, 80 percent, and now we we start venturing into territory where you just can't win games anymore consistently, and then it's hard to flip that switch. Is is that um, you know the the big benefit of building out a more structured team, one that's a little bit more responsible defensively? Because if you have that, even on nights when you don't have it, you can keep a game close, and then maybe one of your star players has a breakthrough or you get a power play at the right time, those types of things. Structure and systems can take care of a lot of issues and will will we'll win you a lot of those tight games, especially on the road when you don't really feel like it. 
um, and all you really need is a power play or a thing to go right and we don't need to go out and score four or five goals in order to win a game that that's where structure and system comes in that's what will get you the 82 games uh, finesse skill and and feeling good uh, it's all great and 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 things when things work out but too many nights um, that aren't there or bounces are going the other way that that's when you need your 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 systems and your structure what are you seeing from Brock Besser so far this season? Well, he's got a little bit of puck luck. Uh, things are going in for him. Uh, plays are happening. Um, he, he's obviously in a good spot when you're when you're playing with JT, who's who, who's running a, a, as well as he is. Um, so, so it's it's good to see him kind of reverting back to what we always hoped him to be. He, he there's no question he's a shooter, and he needs to be given that opportunity. You find him in that slot and. Uh, there's a good chance he's going to put that puck in the right spot. You know, with, with Brock, um, I, I've noticed him be a little bit heavier along the walls and, and winning more more puck battles. He's never going to be the fastest guy, but um, that seems to be, it's got to be an area where he can have more success to kind of overcome some of his speed deficiencies. Yeah, he, he needs to be put in a situation where he he can succeed. He he Like you said, he's not carrying the puck flashy. If he's got a phenomenal shot, um, he, he's good uh, in that slot area in tight. So you give him the puck, he he will he will score more often than not. But again, you need you need guys around him that knows how to find him and work off of him, and uh, again mask some of his deficiencies, the speed and all that stuff. So uh, again, they seem to have found a good line there that are clicking, that are producing, um, and then when, when that's happening. Um, the mistakes and the the, the flaws in, in the individual players kind of get uh, gets put on a back burner because you don't notice it as much when, when they're having that kind of success as they're having. So, uh, Rick Tockett, it, it seems like after Chris Brockman, game, whether it's good or bad, he's, he's talking about the neutral zone or he makes mention of the neutral zone. And if they've had a good game, well, we were good in the neutral zone. If it was bad like the other night or he didn't like it like the other night against Nashville – we weren't that good through the, through the neutral zone. What, what do you think he means uh, when 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 a coach is is talking about how a team plays through the neutral zone? Well, when you're easy to play against in a neutral zone, it, it, most of the time it means you're not getting in, you're not creating offense, and on the other way, teams are getting in on easy. You're giving up odd man rushes, you're giving up uh, scoring opportunities, you're getting hemmed in because of it. Um, so the neutral zone, like yeah, it is neutral, and you want to get through it and buy it as quick as possible. Um, but again, it's got to be done right. Um, if you're trying too much east-west, you get turned over. So if you clean up that neutral zone, um, you, you tend to spend more time in the offensive zone because it doesn't matter if they're coming towards you or you're going their way. If you're good there, you'll get the turnover, you go back in their end, or you get through it and you get in and you go on the offense. So everything's got to start from somewhere, and I'm assuming that's where he's uh he's putting his emphasis. Well, and one of the things, too, that, you know, we were seeing and other coaches were complimenting the Canucks in, in a write-up in The Athletic was how they pressure both ends and how aggressive they are in pressuring the puck in different situations. And when you look at, you know, other coaches saying these things about the team but also seeing players invested in doing that, what does that say to not only the buy-in, but maybe you, they have players that can do those things now? Yeah, that that's kind of where you want to get to. You You want to be hard to play against and for you to be hard to play against you have to be aggressive 
we always talk about all oh, these players are so fast. You want to play with speed. Well, one one way is to play with speed is also without the puck. And you can do that by putting a lot of pressure on the puck carriers. Um, and it doesn't doesn't require a ton of foot speed. All it requires is everybody is willing to do the work because it's hard work and it's uh, it's unforgiving and it's not that flashy. And a lot of times you're not the one getting the puck either, but you're the one that are forcing a pass to somebody that get bobbled a little bit. The other guy get away with it a little bit too quick, and now the third guy is actually creating the turnover. But it 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 requires that everybody is in, is invested and working. And it's unselfishly because, like I said, it's not you that are reaping the benefit of this. No, it, it's someone further down the line. Mm-hmm. But again, you put in the work um, in order for this to happen. And that is the buy-in. It's the structure. It's the system. It's the way we want to play. It's our, our identity. Um, and it has to come from somewhere. This team is not going to get anywhere on skill alone. It has to be with, yeah, hard work, hard work, and then the skill will, will, will shine through. As far as some of those guys that can step up on the blue line in the neutral zone, one guy who's done a good job of it is Carson Soucy. He's now played seven games. It seems like his game is really coming along. What are you seeing in his contribution? Because to me, especially on the uh, on the defensive side of things, he's got a really active stick and he defends well, it seems. What are you seeing in his game? Yeah, it's a, it's a heavy body. Um, and again, you, you want those guys... You don't want to play again. You don't want to play in your own end. Don't get me wrong, but when you are in your own end, it's those bigger defensemen. It's hard to get to the net um, when they're pinning you, leaning on you. It's a little bit harder to get away from the boards. Um, so obviously, him and, and Cole were brought in to bring that presence. Um, and right now, it seems like it's made Vancouver a lot harder to play against in your own end, or they it have made them. So, so it's good to see that they fit in somewhat seamlessly. Um, again, team is winning, which makes everybody look better and they're playing better because of it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be so. Um, but it makes them easier to get them in. And nine games into the season, these guys aren't in, integrated to this team yet. It still takes time. Learning nicknames, calls, positions, where are they going to be at certain times? How is Petey swinging through the, the defensive zone when he wants to puck and all these things? It, it takes time, so they should only get better the more games they get to play together here. But so far, they, they've uh, they've done a good job defensively, and I'm sure those two guys are are a big reason as to why Vancouver's hard to play against uh, defensively right now. A lot of talk the last uh, few days that the uh, front office is working the phones. They they want to be active and and try to make some moves to to add to this team. Um, it, it is still just nine games, but I also feel you know, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin probably have a good idea of where they need to upgrade if they are going to help this team along to get into the postseason this year. Yeah, I'm sure that the, that plan is it. But again, it's it's easier said than done, man. The the, the salary <laughs> cap is just yeah. handcuffing yeah. everybody, <laughs> and it's not just here in Vancouver. You're hearing this if you tune into any other radio station. It's it's the same story that are being uh, spilled there as well. If only we could move this contract and bring <laughs> something in, and that is all all we need. It, it's no difference. Uh, it's the parity in the league. It is what it is, and. If you make a move now, it will most likely be a lateral move. You'll move out a contract you're not too happy about, and you'll you'll receive a player somebody else is not too happy about, and then you hope that player will figure it out when he comes to, to you. 
That's uh, pretty much the way that it is. Uh, even Yannick has become the Grim Reaper with uh, trade talk around these parts. Yeah, man. I get I mean, Yannick, <laughs> you can dispute the numbers, right? I mean, remember last year, Yannick, all the talk about Bo Horvat trades, trades, and like there were four trades that were made before the Bo Horvat trade, and three of them were Canucks trades, <laughs> and all were small minor deals. Yes. Like, the biggest trade that happened wasn't until February or January, late January, when the Canucks traded Bo Horvat. It just doesn't happen until then. No. Got to wait till deadline season. That's about it. it. It's 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 hard to to make it work. Um, there's also like the, the buyer's remorse. I'm sure is kicking into. You don't want to give up with a, on a player who's done really well for you in the past because you're he was so good and all these things. Uh, uh, but at some point, uh, you you just you're pulling that trigger and and you wish for the best. Yannick, uh, you're the best. We uh, enjoy talking to you every week, and we'll talk next week. Sounds good. Take care, guys. There he is, uh, Yannick Hansen. This insider brought to you by the Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam, and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw. And a lot of good insights there from Yannick, who um, explains it perfectly on on JT Miller and how, how that can resonate through the room. Like it's 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 not a trigger you want to go to all that often if you're Rick Tockett. But if you do it once and it works as well as it did the other night, I can't see how it doesn't send a message through the room. And there's a former player saying, yeah, it would. It should yeah. send a message through the room. It absolutely should. And I think it has in terms of what we saw from JT. And I think it's one of those things that it gets grabs everyone's attention. I mean, you ask Yannick about it. If you ask any other former player about it, they'll say the same thing. Like, it's like everyone's on notice now. Yeah. And the thing we all have to wait and see about, and I feel pretty confident in, and we mentioned this on the show yesterday, that Rick Tockett, I have confidence in him as a coach and his emotional stability and being able to handle these things with guys and not making it adversarial because he's still able to work with them and, and, and able to impart a message without any acrimony. And I think that's a really tough quality to have. And those are the types of qualities that allow you to keep the player's ears throughout the year and also perhaps for years beyond this season. It's that communication, but also on connectivity on an emotional level, even when you are reprimanding somebody. And I think that type of thing can have a lot of success and have be something that's really important for teams. And it seems like Rick Tockett has that. It's uh it was mentioned today, actually, from from Rick Tockett, which we'll play uh, a little bit closer to uh, when we get to pregame and, and into the Canucks and San Jose Sharks a little bit more. But it was more the players today taking over the optional and saying we want to work on yeah. the neutral zone and, and correct some of the things that we did wrong the other night. Ultimately, we'll see if <laughs> they've corrected any of their mistakes from the other night. But there does seem to be a little bit more accountability. And one of the things Rick Tockett has preached a ton of is I can only do so much. At some point it does have to come from the players themselves. So that's where the coach comes in tandem with uh, the leadership group of the roster. It's uh dad, Richo Satyar Shah. This, uh, text comes in. Do you ever see Yannick Hansen coaching the Canucks from Eric in Tawasa? Uh, I mean, I can see him potentially yeah. one day. Um, I don't know about head coach, but be involved in some sort of coaching capacity. It depends on what he wants to do, right? Yeah. So. It would depend on uh, 
Yannick's approach to it. But for now, we're very happy to have Yannick yes. as a regular here on the station. As another text says, he's my favorite analyst on the station. Uh, well, yeah, he's he's pretty good. He he's, a, he's, he's a lot of people's favorite. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, all right, coming up, more on the Vancouver Canucks. Some game time decisions for tonight. That's next on Canucks Central. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.